Hey everybody, welcome back to the Third Deck Lounge podcast. Today my guest is Jason Giorgetti, a senior electrician at Sikorsky Aircraft, Lockheed Martin, the makers of the CH-53 and the Blackhawk. He also has competed with Team Carlson Gracie in Jiu-Jitsu for over a decade. When he was in 3.6, he was an 03.41 and a designated marksman from 2000 to 2004. And hey man, I just want to welcome you to the show. Thanks for having me, much appreciated man. Yeah, absolutely, dude. So, uh, where do we, uh, where do we really want to start? Uh, well, um, three, six podcast. We could talk a little bit about, uh, our first deployment. It's a very, I'm sure is a lot of pride with us being in there first before everyone boots on the ground, October, 2001. Yeah. And that was with the, uh, the Mew, right. Going into Afghanistan. Yeah, 26 Mew. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? I mean, so I guess back, to backtrack a little bit, what was it like, uh, like ha- hearing about 9 11 and hearing about, you know, all that stuff while being on ship? We, uh, we were actually still stateside. We were at Lejeune when 9 11 happened, but our deployment, our regular Mew, was scheduled to start like a week later, anyways. Oh, okay. So, uh, a lot of anxiety, pretty, pretty crazy. You know, uh, there was a long period of peace. So having that happen, especially so close to where I'm from too, uh, it was incredible, but we were completely happy and we all felt blessed, like an absolute honor to be able to go over there first. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. And, um, I'm just kind of curious. What was the, what was the whole atmosphere like on uh, Lejeune on 9/11? Like what? Because I've tried looking around just to hear stories and stuff, and I've never really gotten like a good story of what kind of happened on base and what everybody was kind of thinking and stuff. Everybody was chomping at the bit. You know, everybody wanted to get the call to go. Everyone, everybody wanted to be part of it. Um. It was, you know, we were really strong as a country then too. So it, people were hurting. I remember driving around, uh, seeing people crying, seeing people just kind of lost, discombobulated, a little confused. Um, but you know, generally, yeah, it's it's a base full of Marines, man. They uh, everybody wanted to get the chance to go. Yeah, that's incredible, man. That's yeah, I couldn't even really imagine what it'd be like just kind of waking up, you know, going to formation and stuff doing pt and then all of a sudden all that shit starts happening on the news yeah the uh when we, when we found out we were gonna go it was um you know we we had a lot of focus on the uh russia's failed attempt in the 80s over there and the mujahideen are no joke you know there's some bad boys there's some big stocky tone strong guys that have been running around the mountains fighting everybody it's a it's a graveyard of empires uh one thing, you know, I think there's a big misunderstanding with Americans that these guys are just some goat herders, some backwoods idiots. That's that's not the case at all. They're a very proud people. Uh, they don't necessarily feel like Afghanis. Their tribe is very important to them, and that kind of defines their character. But uh, there's definitely some, you know, first-class warriors over there, for sure. Yeah, and... um what did so you guys were on the Mew and then they I guess it just kind of came down they're like hey grab your shit you guys are are going or what kind of or did you guys know beforehand you guys were going to be going into Afghanistan 
we had a feeling we were going. OPSEC was super tight. Uh, email was shut down on the boat for a while. We didn't have a chance. Uh, the phones were shut down. The mail uh, wasn't happening. Uh, it, things were kept, kept really tight. We all kind of had a feeling we were going. And we first went to Egypt for what's called Operation Bright Star, which is cross-training with the other allied nations, which was a lot of fun. I got to hang out with some German paratroopers. We met a, a Spanish armored platoon, tow gunners. Uh, that that was a lot of fun. We, we were in the Sahara for seven, eight days or so training. And uh, then we went to Greece. And um, we did like a, an onload, got everything we needed. And uh, then we set off. And um, the first place we went to was Pazni, Pakistan. And uh, that's kind of where we set up, got everything staged, and we took C-130s over the Afghan border to the Kandahar airfield. Oh, and, so you guys uh, just remember... landed right in there? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I remember it being a pretty wild ride. I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to sit up front right behind the cockpit. And uh, I'm looking out the window, and I'm seeing these little tracers come up, and every once in a while... You know, some some dude with a dishka would let off and sees like big balloons glowing red flying up there. And I tap the navigator. I'm like, hey, man, you see what's going on down there? And he's like, oh, yeah, that's all right. We're good. And right. As you said, we're good. There was this burst from something huge. It must have been like a 20 or a 30 millimeter cannon. He's like, that's not good. <laughs> he pulled up a little bit. When we got to Kandahar, it was a logistical nightmare. It was chaos. The The aircraft didn't really stop. We we grabbed our stuff and we jumped off the back. We threw our packs down because they weighed like 200 pounds. We had everything. We went into the terminal to kind of get ready. And then we moved right out to the edge of the airfield. We were the definitive front line. And, um, you know, I remember digging those fighting holes. It was an absolute nightmare. We were, we broke all of our e-tools and we had to go and find some shovels left behind by the Soviets and got some road gear from like light armored reconnaissance. And we were able to dig in fairly good, but it was like digging through cement. And, uh, my God, it was the coldest I've ever been. That's, that's like the one memory that sticks with me the most was just, you know, being on the verge of hypothermia at all times. And uh, it was a bit like a tide pool because, you know, in the afternoon we get up to the mid-60s or so and it'd be kind of comfortable. And then nighttime, just absolutely freezing. So so um, the way you kind of describe it, it sounds like it was the airfield was just abandoned. Like there wasn't really any defenses or anything set up for it. No, it was, uh, it used to be an international airport, but it, it was like a haunted house. You know, it's obviously been abandoned for a long time. The fountains were all dry. The windows were all smashed in the terminal. The uh, airfield itself, the, the runway was chewed up. Right outside the airfield was a boneyard of old Soviet aircrafts. MiGs, Hind helicopters, some of their bigger transport aircraft, still painted with CCCP on it. It was pretty wild. What but, the fuck? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's nothing like it looked towards the end. That's insane. Yeah, because there there aren't too many uh, pictures. I've never seen like a handful of them, and then just uh, 
being able to like run in the page and seeing like dudes sending in pictures of like all this uh all the stuff from the the invasion and um it's crazy seeing all those pictures because there isn't really any place where it's kind of all collected up i guess yeah for sure unfortunately technology but i remember this is 2001 so digital cameras are really expensive and we didn't have those most of the pictures we took were used with those I don't even know if you remember the disposable cameras. Yeah, the wind-up ones. Yeah, they, yeah, like ones. Yeah. Yeah, they had that like cheap piece of plastic molding on top of it to make it waterproof. Huh. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, unfortunately, we didn't get high def pictures. But uh, you know, all all the buildings outside of the airfield were we, there was a couple of them just filled with gear from the floor halfway up the wall. You know, anti-aircraft rounds, boxes of landmines, just uh, parachutes, tons of the uh, Soviet-style helmets, all, all types of stuff. We definitely went to a veneer shopping for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. So they for real just left a fuck ton of stuff just laying around? They left in a hurry. Yep. They were there for about 10 years and lost about 80,000 people. That was on our mind the whole time, too. We knew what kind of beating the Russians took when they came into that country. That's insane. Um, yeah, yeah. The um, So were they expecting you guys to like come there that day at all? Or was it just kind of like, oh, shit? <laughs> I would imagine so. I, I, I'm sure you know that uh, the story about that movie like 12 strong the guys uh, the oh Delta yeah guys. Yeah. yeah i've seen it yeah when they were there um the taliban knew <laughs> as soon as they got in country word uh spreads pretty quick so i'm, I'm sure they knew you know huh and then so because there's in the battalion office uh, at least when i was still in and i mean obviously it's it's probably still there but um there's this big map of uh, Kandahar Airfield, and it showed where all of uh, 36's positions were uh, for each company all around the airport. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. i got to see if I can get a photo of that I from mean, somebody. I, I might have a photo. I'd have to look for it later. But it's definitely, yeah, there's there's a big picture of it. It's like a, it's just a map, and it has everything kind of laid out. What, That's um, awesome. What? Actually, yeah, they have a bunch of, um, I don't know if this is specifically from the invasion, but... There's a bunch of uh, AKs and like RPKs and shit yeah. up in the office, and there's um, right there's some other shit that was uh, captured, but I don't remember if that's like uh, specifically from the invasion or from other parts in time throughout the years. My uh, my boots, they had a really rough deployment uh, once I EASed uh, late summer of two thousand four. They went back over in 2004, I believe, uh, around November or so, and uh, they did great. They performed past expectations, um, or I shouldn't say that. They performed phenomenally. Our expectations are always high for Marine infantrymen. But uh, they, they had a rough time. They lost some guys. They were, uh, that, that, was a very, uh, that was a very hard deployment, I'll say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I believe it. Um, from from Kandahar, what uh, what happened after that? What was the rest of your deployment like? Well, we were at Kandahar uh, maybe a couple weeks or so. Um, it was holding the line, really. That was that was our main job. 
uh, we were out there. We didn't get a shipment of cold weather gear. So you're, you're into October and November in the mountains of Afghanistan where it is freezing. And we had the leather jungle boots with no insulation. We didn't even have jackets. We had desert pattern Humvee tire covers that we stretched over our green packs. <laughs> you know, oh, luckily, wow. luckily we met this great guy in the Air Force and he had a room full of desert jackets i still have mine and he hooked us up we would have we would have had a lot of problems if we didn't get those jackets from the air force so hey shout out to the air force we appreciate you guys big time (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy um yeah that's insane i almost wonder if there's like videos or anything out there from uh from your guys's time there i don't know i know we had combat camera I don't, uh, I'm sure, you know, the, the Associated Press was out there, Reuters, all the the major world media was out there, so I'm sure there is. I'll, I'll send you some photos, too, that I have. As a, We keep in good contact as a company, and uh, we've, we've amassed a pretty good collection of photos online. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's all sick. Did they, uh... Was there ever any, like, attacks or anything on the airfield when you guys got there? Or, like, during your guys' uh, time there? Yeah, they tested the line. Um, I remember uh, a few of my buddies getting out of the fighting hole in their skivvy shorts and uh, Kevlar, you know, <laughs> up on the line like that. Um, I believe it. I'm not sure what company it was. I want to say, like, Kilo. They went up to the uh, embassy in Kabul and reopened that and held it. Uh, we worked. They they protected Hamid Karzai, the big man, the president. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, three six spanned that whole country. You know, Kandahar is down south. Kabul's up in the north. And um, oddly enough, I I remember I talked to you earlier, and it no longer exists. But we had broken down into the 4th Marine uh, Anti-Terrorism Battalion. And uh, that was fun because they would take each company and send them off somewhere for three months or so. So I got to go to Cuba. I got to go all over the Mediterranean, North Africa, Afghanistan, Pakistan, all that uh, good stuff. Um, Our other elements went to Albania. Djibouti, uh, yeah, it, it was a good time. We got to bounce around a lot. We were very fortunate in, in the traveling aspect, for sure. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That is all actually really cool. <laughs> that definitely was an interesting time to be a Marine. For sure, man. And we are so blessed, and all of us know it, too. There's There there couldn't have been a better time to be a Marine, at, at least in the recent time, you know. Yeah, uh, the country the country was totally behind us. Everybody at home was behind us. Um, we got care packages and emails and thank you cards and gifts from all over America. All middle schools, retirement homes. I got these dope yarn uh, slippers that I still rock once in a while from a grandma in Colorado. <laughs> major major score. <laughs> That's sweet. Operation Toasty Toes. That was it. Operation Toasty Toes. <laughs> <laughs> this retirement home knitted us a bunch of little uh 
stock, uh, little slippers. It was funny. <laughs> That's freaking cool. <laughs> but uh, I, I always crack up at the tactics now too. You know, it was, it was such a long time ago when you think about it. Our Humvees had like vinyl windows, and they were yeah. The high I remember reading was, about that. Yeah, man, no armor, no protection. Uh, we made it work though. I, 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 I'll say that we, we made it work. There wasn't any complaining. Everybody did what they were supposed to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it kind of, I'm sure like nine 11 having rec- having happened so recently was huge driving force for deeds to, uh, to really give a shit. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So when you guys, what, when did you guys get back from that? Uh, our deployment was uh, like seven months or so. Uh, we hit a lot of places during the whole deployment too. We got uh, we got some nice liberty time in like Malta, absolutely beautiful island, great place to travel to if you ever get a shot. Uh, Greece, like I had said, uh, one of the good things about being on a navy boat is when we do get to a port, we usually get plenty of time off the navies doing everything from putting fresh paint on the ship to unloading supplies. And sometimes they just kind of need the Marines to get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good at getting in the way of shit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Especially when there's supplies flowing into it and then it's like fucking dudes just snagging shit. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys got back from that. And then I guess, when did you, uh, did you guys deploy again after, or did you, were you getting out? We, or? we rolled into that fourth uh, anti-terrorism battalion thing. So I, when we got back shortly after getting back, weapons company who I was with went down to Cuba for uh, the summer. Um, another company went back to Kabul. Uh, company went to the Horn of Africa. Some poor bastards got stuck in Albania. Oh, <laughs> yeah, anybody don't uh, don't vacation in Albania if uh, yeah, not not a score. <laughs> <laughs> That's all insane. So everybody kind of just went everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it was good in the aspect of traveling. Um, it'd be nice if we stayed together as a family. We were a really tight group. We still are a tight group. I'm blessed to be a part of that, but. Yeah, it was a good time, man. I, I've been fortunate enough to put my feet down on five continents, over 20 countries. I still travel, obviously, since I got out, but I got to see a lot of the world while I was in the service. Very, very fortunate. I know once a war was in full swing around the time that you were in it earlier, deployments were a lot more cut and dry. You know, we're going over here for this long and coming back and training and then going back for this long and coming back. We were kind of, I, I guess, more or less flying by the seat of our pants, which is, you know, like that, how the designated marksman program started. Um, the concept of that being that you train a couple guys per platoon in some sniping tactics, basically, and we had uh, modified M14s, fiberglass stock, uh, Leopold scope, and um, that was a really fun school, too. So we, we were kind of learning uh, as we go. The Marine Corps has always been good at learning. And just like you know, like our the name of our unit, uh, Tufelhunden, you know, we took that from the Germans. We uh, The Indian chief on our 
unit uh, logo. We uh, adopted that from the fearsome Native Americans during those wars. Um, so we've come a long way. You guys don't even have Humvees anymore, right? Uh, they're phasing them all out. I think it's... Uh, we still had some Humvees, but uh, like, like they were uh, training dudes up on the JLTVs, and they were kind of phasing those JLTV. into them. Yeah. And you have uh, drone operators now in the platoon? Uh, we had... We had like the uh, little instant eye. It was like this little handheld uh, drone, and that's um, wild. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really ever used too much. Like we had it, but we just didn't really use it. Um, I think it was kind of like that for most of the battalion. I mean, sometimes it was used for like reconnaissance, but sure, it wasn't like uh, it wasn't like uh, something that was used on the daily. Um, All right. I remember the uh, one time in uh, ITX, they fucking they, my seniors were fucking around with it, and they uh, they got the fucking thing lost on uh, I think it was four ten or something. I had to go out and find it before anyone noticed. <laughs> oh yeah, we 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 get those happenings. We had a guy fill the fighting hole back in without taking his rifle out. You know. Those oh are Jesus. Stories. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna say his name when he listens to this. I hope he laughs at home. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, oh my God. yeah, man, the, the tactics are impressive now. You know, irregular warfare is like you know where we're at. I see you guys are doing a lot more, learning how to like break animals down, how to because we we are getting to the point where we're leaving close air support. We're getting away from like logistical heavy vehicles and infantry operations in urban areas because let's face it, they do leave a bad taste in the civilian's mouth, in America's mouth. And there there is a lot of collateral damage that we should avoid. Um, so moving towards sensor-based warfare, uh, it's gonna put us further out in smaller units. So learning how to have a supply chain that can't constantly get you MREs and fresh water is going to be a deciding factor on the next battlefield for sure. You know, we're our enemies right now. You look at Russia and China, you know, they're retrofitting 30 year old airframes and we don't want to be there. It always breaks my heart a little bit when I see people get upset with the 35 program. That, uh, how I look at the F 35 is like a flying sensor, it's the maestro of the battlefield. Uh, General Bergen is a brilliant man. One of the best commandants I think we've had. Uh, I'm a big fan of General Neller, too. You know, he was with 3-6. Oh, really? Yeah, General Neller was with 3-6. But uh, General Berger's, Berger's got some great ideas. And, um, yeah, it's exciting to see what's coming down the line for sure. Yeah, all of it's uh, it's really interesting. Because just, just from when I've gotten out, the dudes are getting new gear, they're getting new weapons, they're getting new... Uh new everything honestly like it's it's kind of insane like i'm seeing all my like dudes that were uh my junior marines at the time they're sending me pics and shit of their kits and i'm like dude what the f i always wanted that shit what the hell how are you guys getting yeah, it now right. <laughs> and now i see it and i feel like a caveman running around with a stick back then you know sharp stick <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> yeah so you okay so you guys came back from the uh the the fourth terrorist um fourth anti-terrorist fourth anti-terrorist yeah yeah that so you guys came back from that and then 
were you getting out or what was uh what were you up to at the time uh let's see the last thing i did was go out to march air force base in california which was uh, it used to be base housing and they made it look like a iraqi village or a village in that part of the world and uh we were role playing we would dress with uh classic Middle Eastern garb. We had uh, Kalashnikovs. They even gave us vehicles to drive around. And uh, I think it was a good training ground for the guys that were getting ready to go over there. You were able to have some senior guys that had some experience kind of put you as close as we could in that situation. Training can only be so good. You can never do the real thing. You know, you look back at like World War II. The work up to D-Day, we lost thousands of guys uh, just in the practice run before that, you know. So you, you got to find that happy medium where your training's realistic but also safe. Right. And, uh, you know, we, uh, my friend uh, Jeff Clark, uh, we lost him when we were training in Cuba. We lost a great guy, Corporal Kopolev, who uh, we lost him at AP Hill on a mortar range. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, these things happen, but we're in a real dangerous business. We, you know, hate to sound corny, but we are that tip of the spear, you know, we're that last hundred yards of American diplomacy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it sounds corny to dudes, but like, it's kind of like when that reality hits, it's kind of like, oh shit. Yeah. This isn't a, this isn't a joke. I would, I would say too on Afghanistan, um, it, it it was a learning experience. You would think that we would know a little bit more from studying the Russians, but I I think where we're moving now, the commandant is focusing on, you know, let's not look for people with degrees in just language. Let's look for someone with like a degree in Chinese anthropology. We have to know the culture. We we have to know the people that. We, we want compliance from maybe that not be the best way to say it, but like I'm sure you saw with the, like the police forces in Afghanistan. I mean, it's just so much to work with, not only the corruption, but just the complete lack of skill. A guy can't do a jumping jack and we're going to teach him how to shoot and teach him how to patrol. It's, it's a little bit to ask a little bit much to ask. Yeah. I mean, I was um, never, I was never there myself, but the, uh, all the stories I'd heard was pretty much that the ANA is useless and the police force is useless. Like I, I remember always hearing stories about like how, um, they'd have to like get, um, these dudes on post to stop like shooting up here and getting, getting high as fuck. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Or like just other drugs and shit. Like they, they just did, they didn't care this for them. It was, uh, just a payroll. Sure. And I mean, as I've gotten older, uh, I'm able to look at it a little bit different. Uh, I read some thoughts from Dr. Barbara Elias from Princeton. And, uh, you know, her data shows that we got about a third compliance, a third partial, and then a third non-compliance. So essentially, no matter how brilliant your counterinsurgency plan is, you're only going to get about 30% compliance from the ANA, from the police you set up. Um, we have to appreciate as well, too, looking like Hamid Karzai, the president, 
he gets a lot of flack, but, you know, he's getting pressure from the bottom, from the Taliban and Al-Qaeda. He's getting squeezed from the sides, from other nations, as far as sending supplies, weapons, all that stuff. And from the top down, we're putting him to the screws, telling him what we need his people to do to accomplish our mission. So a lot of that gets, there's a lot of confusion there. You're, and when you're dealing with a culture, too, in their backyard, we really have to respect that or we're, we're wasting time. We were doing great. That mission was to go after bin Laden. The Taliban was taken out within weeks. They were no longer combat effective within weeks. And the average Afghani was fine with us being there. But just like in Iraq, there's that time where it, the mission switches. And you figured we'd learn it from Vietnam. And we end up in that damn nation building, building sequence again. And that's not where we want to be. And that's when things get dragged out and they get expensive. And, you know, it, it's all in vain. Uh, that's not the type of war we want to fight. Um, so I, I think that General Berger has some great ideas as far as kind of looking in the civilian sector, pulling people in that are, you know, tech experts, uh, intel specialists, uh, you know, culture people, putting them into OCS and make them an official Marine, and then bring them into a, a pay grade that can't compete in the civilian sector. We need that. You know, you, you look at technology now, uh, two, three, four years, something's old and misplaced. And what are we doing at the DOD? We're spending, you know, 10 years trying to work something out. By the time we get there, it's obsolete. <laughs> that money and that time's been wasted. Yeah, I remember uh, getting the 320s and everybody's like, oh, shit, this is super cool. And I'm just kind of like, I was like, yeah, this is cool and all, but like the Army's had this since 2010. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like 2021 <laughs> now. <laughs> You know, if we could have like, uh, you know, like uh, Lawrence of Arabia, we need like a Lawrence of China, a Lawrence of Africa. You know, we need we need that guy on the ground that knows the language, knows the culture, knows the differences between the tribes, little nuances, all that stuff. We're going to have to learn to connect with people. Uh, we get the, we, we get a lot of pushback, too, especially with this last election as far as military spending, but not just that, the way we treat our allies. Well, you know, our allies and our structure, our projection of force, that's, that's our center of gravity. Um, sure, let, let's use the example of the, the Paris uh, Accord with the uh, pollution, you know, it's on the tip of my tongue. I'm sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, uh, Trump was pushing hard to get us out of that. Well, it's a waste of money. We get fine. Yeah, sure, but, you know, it's kind of like paying dues. We have bases all over there. You know, you know Estonia, Germany, 20-something in Italy. Uh, and that w one of Russia's main complaints right now, you know, there's bases all over there. They, they don't have any bases outside of Russia. Um so we do, to an extent, have to accept that we have to play ball with our allies. And I think that uh, Americans need to understand that. Just like the defense budget. Um, you know, the, the F-35, we're hearing a lot about the cost. Sure, it's expensive. I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of money. It's our most expensive uh, project in an aircraft. However, we're simultaneously getting three different aircrafts specifically for each branch of the service. 
the Marine Corps is focusing on the Pacific and China, and that's great. The Army can focus on the other theater, uh, and that's where we need to be. We, we need to really push hard uh, with this technology. Generation 5 aircrafts are needed. <clears throat> you can turn on the TV and see aircraft going down in Ukraine left and right. And that's exactly what's going to happen. And you got to ask yourself, is it cheaper to field F-18s, F-14s, F-16s, you know, updating them and fitting them with new avionics and all that stuff? Or is it more cost effective to build an airframe that we're able to sell to all of our allies and uh, can not only give us air superiority, but define the battle space? You know, these aircraft nowadays are, are linking everybody up. They're tracking multiple targets. They're, they do amazing things. The new 53, you would think that the old one should have enough room to move a vehicle. Uh, it didn't. <laughs> you know, the new one is wider. It's 30% faster. It's got an incredible heads-up display right on the windshield. So the pilot can select the data that's critical to flight or what he wants and put it right in front of his face. Yeah. That's all um, incredible. Yeah, man. It's some really cool stuff. I was fortunate enough to get moved over to the 53 program. I'm a Marine and I, I, I love being able to work for the Marines and I've been working for the army for a long time. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty crazy. I, when the day I came over there, I get a laptop, I get a little mobile desk, uh, you know, there's 3d CAD. So you could, look on the computer screen and you can move a part around you can go through the build on it and watch each screw go in you can pull up any data you want um imagine a, a 53 that's fly by wire like that's just crazy to me you know i work there and i still can't wrap my head around it you know on man flight it's wild yeah they uh they recently did it with the blackhawk yep yep yeah, yeah that's that fly by wire stuff is missing and that's where we got to move you know what you go to a VA, that's where you see the cost, you know, damaged veterans, dead veterans. That's not only expensive, but it's terrible. That's not what we want. <laughs> you know, we, we have the technology. We need to push it. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I want to ask you too, uh, <laughs> it's a little bit of backtracking, but, um, sure. how, how did you, how, how did you get into the whole, uh, Lockheed Martin stuff? Um, my networking skills, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you went from being a grunt to working in uh, aviation stuff. Well, I had a, I had a couple crappy jobs. I was working at a jail for a little while, which uh, was just an absolute nightmare. I actually went down to talk to an Army recruiter, and I was all set to go back overseas. And thank God, uh, Sikorsky called me up and offered me a job. Oh, <laughs> but, shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's one thing as veterans, too. You know, we, we, we have that ability. We already know how to network. We know how to work well as with others. The, the, the best thing that I think a lot of bosses like is our ability to take criticism. You know, we have very thick skin. We don't get offended. We we, we kind of look at things analytical. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like we were talking about earlier, uh, for you know, Andy McNabb, the uh, British SAS guy, the good psychopath, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it should be more of a sliding scale versus this terrible thing. But, uh, hey, you know, not everybody can just go overseas and do this type of work, right? Right. And, um, uh, huh? No, go ahead. 
No, I was gonna say, um, yeah, that's all. That's pretty cool. You just <laughs> you end up uh, going from just being a grunt to working on like the most sophisticated aircraft there is right now. <laughs> hey, we all have that ability, you know. You what you're pursuing is very impressive, and I know you're gonna get there. Uh, it breaks my heart to see guys get out and just kind of linger about allow uh ptsd or depression to take over their lives um we have an edge we have an edge now in this market is is that gonna go into the future i hope so but as it stands now being a veteran is uh very advantageous in the job market uh being a marine people love marines i i heard someone say once you know america needs an army and a navy but americans want a marine corps and uh you know that's a we we all have untapped ability um so you know and then and we do we network well we work well in a family we need to use social media properly we need to hook each other up we need to get each other jobs we need to check on each other we need to make sure guys know guys and girls know what they can do with their gi bill uh what's offered state-wise a lot of these laws have changed over the past few years um you know business grants home grants there's really not a reason for you to fail uh, let's be honest and i know that i am uh, I'm very fortunate. I'm blessed. I won't lie to you. I'm sure you could go down the street and find someone that could do my job with the right training. But it, you got to be that guy that people want to work with. And we all have that ability. Um, men, uh, men live, most men live uh, lives of quiet desperation, Henry Thoreau. And that's very true. And I hate to see when it's veterans living that way. Yeah, it's um it's very uh tough seeing dudes struggling when they get out. Um you know, I've had my moments where I've been struggling too and um sure. it just it just comes down to like you got to you got to pick yourself up and and get going. You can't you can't just stay where you're at and mope around. Like you got to you got to help yourself. Yeah, man. Hey, nobody goes to hell and doesn't bring back a demon, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although, like, uh, I think the dark humor always kind of helps, and just having the whole, uh, the whole social oh, media yeah. aspect too, where we got these pages and stuff, where like, you can go and like, you can say, you can say and see all these other like, dudes saying super fucked up stuff, and it's just, you know, it's funny because we all get it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm. I, I love dark humor. That that's gotten me through some pretty rough times. Don't <laughs> lie. <laughs> yeah. But you know, what's the what's the classic adage there? You know, you can laugh or you can cry, right? That 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 happens a lot in life. You know, what are you gonna do about it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you tell other people uh, jokes and stuff, and they kind of look at you and they're like, "Dude, the fuck's wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just sitting here. You don't I'm want like, those people in your life. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm laughing about it. I'm just like, all my friends would have gotten it. They would have thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as time goes on, you'll find you'll you'll be able to judge the uh, civilian aspect a little bit better, the, the civilian crowd a little bit better. Uh, I think of funny stuff to say all the time at work, and I think I say maybe twenty percent of it. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely takes some adjusting. Um, 
but oh, yeah. we all learned that oh, honestly though uh being in you you talk to all kinds of people and you learn how to talk to just about anybody and like that's very applicable when you get out you'll be able to talk to just about literally anyone on the outside too i mean they might be like super awkward about it at first because and i talked to you about this before we started recording but just as soon as like people find out oh you were in the service and then it just gets all awkward and stuff and it's like dude i, I don't care <laughs> like it doesn't have to be yeah. awkward i don't think any less of you or like you don't have to think that you have to talk all special or something around like dude i'm just another dude <laughs> right but, you know, at the same time, uh, maybe it would be wise to take that as a bit of a compliment. You know, um, we feel awkward when we're around people we're impressed by. That's very natural. Uh, or when you're around uh, a, a person that you're attracted to romantically, you, you it's, it's almost a, a form of flattery. Uh, it is tough. I know those questions. Hey, uh, you know a Mike? Uh, my my cousin Mike who's in '87. Uh, you know, like, yeah, yeah, dude. I was in 30 years later. A quarter of a million people. Yeah, we were good friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then you, you get the classic story too. The the almost right. There's nothing else in life that a, a man says to another man. I almost did. I almost went skydiving, but I didn't. I almost bought that truck, but I didn't. But a lot of people feel the need to at least say that they, they it, it does something for their soul to say, you know, hey, I uh, I wanted to be a part of what you did. And like I said, if we could kind of hear that and look at it as a compliment, it it's easier not to fire back a sarcastic or a mean remark. But, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not mean about it with them. I just, uh, I just sit there, and I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's fine, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then, well, and then too, you know, if you're, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Right. Um, one thing, I know we haven't gotten to it yet, I, I hope you don't mind if I jump a, a little bit into it, but, uh, you know, me getting a dog and jujitsu literally saved my life yeah i was gonna you ask know. you about that yeah man you know my my healing started at the end of a leash and at a jujitsu academy and uh i've brought many people including veterans there and they almost always have a positive experience whether they stick with it or not doesn't matter putting yourself into the pressure cooker that's what matters um, we, we have that funny thing with men, especially in this country where it, you have a need to feel accomplished. Um, men don't really have that moment per se. You, you get that from, let's say, graduating boot camp, uh, being in the service, getting a degree. Uh, those are ways to feel accomplished. Men need to feel that. You know, and going to uh, a martial arts school and allowing your ego to get ripped out and beat up and still walking out with a smile on your face. That will that's something you will never forget. You know, it's like, you know, skydiving or being in combat or, uh, you know, getting your degree. Right. Like These are moments you'll never forget. And. You know, ships weren't made for harbor. They were made for storms. They're made for the sea. You got to put yourself out there. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I remember I went with my friends. Uh, we all decided randomly to do, uh, to just go skydiving. <laughs> we just uh, made that decision on a weekend. And uh, yeah, I didn't regret it. It was fun. It was like right. the four of us. What'd you think of it? It was insane, man. We we got in the <laughs> the whole ride down. We were like, are we, are we really doing this? We're, we're, yeah, we're going really. All right. Oh shit. And then we got yeah. there, and then we're seeing we're looking up and seeing other people like falling and stuff. And I'm just thinking to myself, holy fucking shit, we're really doing this. <laughs> it's wild, right? Yeah, when you yeah. Lose the plane, right? It's yeah. It's not what you think it's gonna feel like. I thought it was gonna feel like when you're driving in your car and you go over a bump and you get that little feeling in your gut. Oh but, yeah, uh, worst feeling yeah. ever. It was not even worst. It was it was just <laughs> excitement and like fear all mixed into yeah. one and we the plane was climbing and climbing and stuff and the door was still open and i was thinking to myself i'm about to really jump out of a perfectly good airplane right now and yeah. um <laughs> yeah and i just remember like when when we when we did finally cuz i was first when i did finally go it it was one of the best experiences ever it was so it was almost like liberating in a way not even oh, liberating, yeah. but no, or maybe that is. Word. Yeah, maybe Absolutely. that is a good word for it. Because it, it was insane. I mean, the feeling of just falling and just, it was like freedom, just feeling completely free. And it, you got to do that in life. You got to kind of sit on the edge sometimes. Yeah, and just know, put yourself the, the, the adrenaline. The adrenaline rush was insane, and just right. just doing that because it's crazy. It's not something that you normally do that that people do it's insane it's a right. really crazy and it's, it's not expensive do. and it, it's all over the place oh the yeah it was like 200 bucks it. Yeah, it wasn't even right? wasn't even expensive it was cool it super doesn't fun matter where you live right anybody could go yeah i did it with my friends and stuff it was awesome my uh cousin brian when he got married uh right after we all went skydiving which was really cool the whole wedding party and it was a lot of fun. It was. A, I thought it was a really cool idea for a wedding, for sure. Oh yeah. And that was my first time skydiving down in Florida. <clears throat> uh, right, you could see the spaceship actually on the pad. It was uh, getting ready to take off in the next couple of days. But, That's uh, insane. Yeah, man. I'll I'll never forget that. And I've gone several times since. And you still have that feeling for sure. It's still a blast. It's it's still that adrenaline, that good adrenaline feeling. Yeah, man, that's that's what life's about, man. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you went. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was fun. It was super fun. And just seeing the the world kind of from that height, and then just seeing it as you're falling and stuff, it just kind of gives you a little bit more of an appreciation of life, I guess. Oh, 100. percent That's what it's all about. It's like At it's the end cool. Of the day, that's yeah. what it is, right? When you uh, take yourself out of that safe zone, um, that's. You know, I remember the first time I did a jujitsu match. I went. I was at uh, Twin Rivers Casino in Rhode Island, and uh, I went against a kid who was a college wrestler. I have no memory of like the first fifteen seconds. All I remember was waking up on my back and looking over at my dad and brother in the stands that were just this blank look on their face, like oh, I screwed up bad. <laughs> but and I, you know, luckily I was able to sweep the guy and get on top. I lost on points, but. That that was an amazing feeling, you know. We we have that tendency as as veterans to want to chase that adrenaline because we've done a lot of crazy stuff while we were in combat, vets or not. 
I mean, like the Hilo Dunker. Yeah. Oh, I hated that thing. I hated that. Oh my God. I hated that. I failed it the first time. I had to go back the next day because I failed it. I I like blacked out. I started freaking out. Not really freaking out, but I was just like, I can't do this. (laughs) And, And then the next day when we went and did it and I like calmed down and just constantly through my head, I was just saying, relax, 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 go through it, do like work the problem. And I did it. It was a lot easier, I guess. Like freaking out never helps the situation. No, of course not. And that feeling of accomplishment afterwards always feels great. You know that 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 makes your life so much easier. And um, that's uh, with martial arts that there's a lot like that too. You know, especially I know veterans are a big part of your audience. Uh, you we we don't have to feel like we lost that brotherhood right oh, absolutely because not the people down at martial arts schools they're not bad people these are people that are okay with having their ego checked uh these are people that have a drive to accomplish something um that could take a physical beating and come back in a mental beating because let's face it as men you go into a gym and get tapped out 19 times and a couple times by people smaller than you, by a couple of girls. Like You're not feeling too great on that car ride home. <laughs> 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 but oh, it's man. great. It's great to get into that pressure cooker. You know, the, the senior guys at my school always push that on me. You got to compete. You got to compete. And, uh, you know, I haven't done, like, an incredible amount of uh, tournaments, but I've had the uh, honor to corner a few friends up at uh, some MMA fights at the casino, and I got to compete against uh, a UFC fighter who's uh, active on the roster at the time, a uh, 10-minute match with him, uh, lost on points, wasn't submitted, but, uh, hey, you know, that uh, I felt really proud about that afterwards. And, you know, I, I don't... You don't get that a lot in life. Yeah, yeah, I think it's important to always stay humble, and I feel like that's one of those sports that that will humble you no matter what, and you kind of just have that reality check that, hey, I'm not the most, I'm not unstoppable, I'm not, because there's a lot of people that walk around just arrogant as fuck all the time. I see yeah. it all the time, and it's annoying. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, people keep telling me to get into jiu-jitsu. jiu-jitsu. I can't I can't fucking speak. But um people keep telling me to get into it and I just I haven't had the time, but I actually I really do want to try it. I know I'm going to get my ass beat though, but I do want to try it. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you this, if you continue to go, there is no way you will not get better. You right. don't have to be naturally good. You don't have to be flexible. Show up at your local jujitsu school completely out of shape. That's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, it's a very laid back atmosphere. And if you do show up, if you go regularly, I guarantee you within a few months, you're not going to have to worry about your average bar fight ever again. <laughs> yeah. Someone told me, or not even someone, I think I read this one time and it was talking about how people will go to the gym and then end up stopping going. And talking about how, oh, I, like, suck at it. Oh, it's, like, not, I'm not good at this. And it's talking about the, the pain and the, those thoughts are, are good because you're, you're learning. You're progressing. You're getting better. It hurts because you are getting better. It's, 
And as you continue, Absolutely. yeah, as you continue to get better, it's going to hurt less. It's going to start feeling good. It's going to start just, you're going to start being better. It's not, it's not something that you go and you're going to continually hit a wall where you just continue to fail. Absolutely. And it's, it's a great sport because you can find a niche. You can find several techniques you're comfortable with. And back to what you said about being better, it doesn't just make you a better athlete, a better fighter. You, you become a better friend. You become a better boyfriend, a better husband. You become a better dad. You know what I mean? A better grandson, son. That, it, it completely evolves your character. It, it's not, you know, it's very profound. I guess I'll say that it's a very profound experience. Um, it does. Every man should be humbled at least once in his life. It is. It's. You know, like we joke around. We look at some kids. One's a troublemaker, and you're like, that kid just needs to get his ass kicked. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And it's a profound experience. Hey, I've got my ass kicked before. It. Uh, it helps with your judgment later in life. You know how far yeah. it put. You watch your mouth. Yeah, uh, you know it, it. It tempers you. It makes the gentleman. Uh, I, Hicks and Gracie is one of my favorite fighters, athletes, people. Uh, the warrior poet. This guy is. He he had a great quote on jujitsu and what it is. Uh, where there's discomfort, there is fear. In these very tough positions, you're in a little piece of hell. Through this daily suffering, you learn to survive these situations. You have to find comfort in uncomfortable situations. You have to be able to live in your worst nightmare. Jiu-Jitsu puts you completely in the moment where you must have complete focus on finding a solution to the problem. This trains the mind to build that focus, to increase your awareness, your capacity to solve problems. Sometimes you don't have to win. Sometimes you cannot win, but that has nothing to do with losing. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I've always loved that quote. He he's got a he, he's written some good stuff. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that people always say, uh well, I don't I don't remember who said this, but failure is always your greatest teacher and that 100%. is definitely, yeah, I agree. It's always it, it's when you you fail, you learn from it and you you're like, yeah, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> Right. And then, you know, like what's intolerance? Intolerance is the first sign of an inadequate education. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, from yeah. whatever aspect you want to look at it, your thoughts politically, uh, the way you behave in a gym, whatever, wherever, you know. Yeah. Oh, my God. Speaking about the way you behave in a gym, there's this dude <laughs> at my gym. This guy caused a whole scene. He walked in and, um, he was in a rush or something, but this dude was uh, deadlifting on the little platform. He's like, hey, dude, uh, how much longer are you going to be? And he goes, uh, yeah, I'll be like five more minutes. And this guy gets impatient because he's talking to someone else next to him and decides to just go and take his spot. And he obviously gets pissed and it causes a whole scene. Um, the guy ends up calling the cops because he's like, oh, well, he threatened to put me on his ass. And... I'm over there thinking, well, you took his spot, <laughs> and uh, I'm surprised you're still, like, standing there and not knocked the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's sometimes, insane. Uh, sometimes I wish I can go back in time pre-forensics. No, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean... It, 
we're we're kind of getting disconnected from that as people and hey progress is great moving forward is great uh having tolerance is great but i mean uh, uh, violence is the the gold standard you know that yeah. that's all, often the, the definitive reason on how men behave <laughs> you yeah know, how what was it joe rogan violence. said he talked about how he always surrounds himself with violent men and how being around what was it he said did you know what I'm talking about? I do remember what you're saying, but yeah. I can't remember the quote. I don't remember the exact quote, but yeah, because usually those really violent men are, are 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 pretty laid back. You yeah, know? they're always in the order... most like disciplined and yeah. yeah. You know, in order to get violent, you have to be humbled. Yeah, exactly. Or, let me let me not say violent. Let me say dangerous. You know, in order yeah. to be a dangerous man, you need to be humble. Let me see. Let me see if I can over. find it. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, what do you say to uh, we mature from damage, not age. That was uh, something I I, I like too. I, I got really into psychology. Uh, a lot of it, learning about myself. I love to read. I'm usually reading at least two or three books at a time. Um, and uh, you know, being a combat vet, uh. Andy McNabb, like I was saying earlier, he coined that term, the good psychopath, right? And psychopathy can kind of be looked at, it's, it's, it's looked at now as like a label, an absolute. It's more of a sliding scale in my mind. Um, there's, there's certain things, especially in combat, you have to be able to do. You have to be, uh, let's say, analytical, you know, you do the job to do the job. You do the job because you have to do the job, because you need this outcome. You deal with your emotions later. Um, a full psychopath, that's that's not what we want. We're, we're not talking about, like, Christian Bale, an American psycho who just hates everything and everyone. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> uh, but but I, I think what you were talking about is, um, what is this, the, uh, the Levinson test, the... Uh, the Levinson self-report. That's it. The LSRP. Um, it's a scale. Uh, 26 items. It's uh, basically scored off of four points um, on how you uh, agree to, to certain questions. Um, if you want, I'll give it to you. Yeah, I'll do it. I don't care. <laughs> Let's hear it. Right. Let's find All out right. from the freak. <laughs> I got it folded up. Yeah. No, no. Let's let's see your potential, man. Let's let's see, you know, how much stress you could operate in. All right. So, uh, any of the questions I give you, you're going to answer. Disagree strongly. Disagree somewhat. Agree somewhat, or agree strongly. All right. So, everyone, there's going to be 26 questions, and I'm going to calculate it as we go through. What, wait, um, what is it again? Strong, disagree strongly. Disagree strongly. Disagree somewhat. Uh-huh. Agree strongly, or agree somewhat. Okay, I'm writing these down so I don't forget what my yeah. options are. And these are the four options for every question. So. Okay. Okay. Number one, success is based on survival of the fittest. 
I am not concerned about the losers. Um, I'd say disagree somewhat. Okay. For me, what's right is whatever I can get away with. Yeah, disagree somewhat. Good answer. <laughs> in today's world, I feel justified in doing anything I can to succeed. Uh, I'd say disagree somewhat. It depends. It depends on what I what I'm trying to do. Yeah, the the questions do have that open ended uh, feel to them. You know, yeah. it's not like a definitive answer. So that's in that you disagree somewhat. You think? Yeah, yeah, I'd say somewhat. Okay. My main purpose in life is to acquire possessions and be successful. Mm, I'd say, yeah, I agree. I agree uh, somewhat, somewhat I agree. Okay. Making a lot of money is my most important goal. Uh, Somewhat, agree somewhat. That's okay. not really my most important goal being, I'm not bent on being rich. Yeah. I'm I'm bent on experiences, but you yeah, know, we're yeah, in capitalism. Yeah. Having yeah. money gives you options. I mean, yeah, so exactly. Sure. Yeah. You can't do you can't do anything without money. Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay, <laughs> 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 right. uh, I let others worry about higher values. My main concern is the bottom line. Ooh, um, can you say that again? Sure. I let others worry about higher values. My main concern is the bottom line. Mm. I mean, I'd say disagree somewhat. I'm kind of in between on that. Like, yeah. Okay. I, I think it's along the lines of, you know, the means to the end. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, number seven. People who are stupid enough to get ripped off usually deserve it. <laughs> um... Nah, I'd say disagree somewhat. So it sure. it depends on, yeah, it depends because some people do just get fucked over. Yeah, some people you can't help. But yeah, but then again, there's scamming on the internet wouldn't be uh, so profitable, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, I I I clicked on something or did something and got my uh, email hacked. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. There you go. Right. Yeah. That's why the, the question is a bit vague and, and, and pretty open. Right. But, uh, all right. Uh, number eight, looking out for myself is my top priority. This is a. Uh, no, you know, I disagree really, strongly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's not me. <laughs> I tell other people what they want to hear so that they will do what I want them to do. Mm. No. Say that again real quick. Sure. I tell other people what they want to hear so that they will do what I want them to do. Um, no, I'd say disagree uh, somewhat. Sure. Because it depends if, like, uh, I'm giving advice right. on think, something. Yeah, you think about, like, relationships. Yeah. Think about your yeah, job. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number 10. I would be upset if my success came at someone else's expense. Yeah, I strongly agree. I would be upset. <laughs> it okay. depends to what extent, though. If, if it I, was like... 
I went the other way with that just because, <laughs> you know, so it, it, we're in a capitalism, right? You know, you got to right. be hungry to succeed. That's what we were, we were raised to do. And I feel comfortable doing that. Uh, I don't outright try to screw people over, especially good people or people I don't know. But uh, I'm not going to lie and say that I haven't tried to sabotage a terrible person a bit or walk them into a conversation that they will embarrass or incriminate themselves. Maybe yeah. this is being recorded. I'm just going to stop right there. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> question 11. I often admire a really clever scam. Um, yeah, I gotta say I strongly agree. If it's if it's like super good, yeah, I I can uh, right? I can give it props. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, I make a point of trying not to hurt others in pursuit of my goals. Um, I'd say agree somewhat. Like at the end of the day, like sure. if it's like family, um, and they're like. Because when I, when I told them, oh, I'm going to join the Marine Corps, for example, they were pretty upset, and I was just telling them, yeah, I'm doing this. <laughs> sure. And then you think, too, you know, if, if there's, like, a promotion available and um, you really work hard at it and get it, but, you know, a bunch of people apply, they're only taking one, you know, the, the, yeah, that's all different type of situations yeah, with that yeah. thought. All right, this one's a... Number 13, I enjoy manipulating other people's feelings. Mm, disagree strongly. I'm not like that. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. I feel bad if my words or actions cause someone else to feel emotional pain. Mm, disagree somewhat. It depends what it is. Mm -hmm. If they pissed me off, then I don't really care. But if it was just... Uh... It was just like a friend, and I said something that that upset them. Then yeah, I'd probably be like, "Oh, shit, I fucked up." <laughs> sure. Yeah, it happens in life, right? Yeah. All right, number fifteen. Even if I were trying very hard to sell something, I wouldn't lie about it. Um. I disagree somewhat. If I'm if I have to sell something, then I'm gonna try and sell it to the best of, the best ability I can. Sure. All right. Uh, cheating is not justified because it is unfair to others. <laughs> um. Ooh, this is this is a hard one because. Right. What do they say? If you find yourself in a fair fight, your tactics suck. Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, <laughs> what 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 my something my seniors always told me: if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So. Yeah. Yeah, I right? gotta say, I, I gotta say, yeah, I disagree strongly then. With that yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, 17. I find myself in the same kinds of trouble time and time again. Oof. Um, yeah, I got to say agree somewhat. I, I learned from uh, my fuck-ups, but sometimes I, I end up doing the same stuff sometimes. When I answered that question, the one thing that was on my mind was relationships. How yeah, I, same. Yeah, you know, yeah. right? Invested too much time with the wrong people, walked into something I knew the person wasn't trustworthy to begin with. So, yeah, yeah that comes with age, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, here's an easy one. Question 18. I am often bored. Um. Yeah, strongly agree. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> You're such a smart guy. Okay. 
<laughs> All right, 19. I find that I am able to pursue one goal for a long time. Um, I'd say I agree somewhat. I swear I have like ADHD or ADD or something because okay. I'll get distracted super easily. And I mean, if you're talking about like long-term goals, then yeah, like I, I'm, I really want to get into cybersecurity. Um, I thought I was going to try and get into like a, a contracting thing, but talking to some friends and, uh, they just made me realize it's kind of, it, it doesn't make sense to go into two kind of career paths. So yeah, I got to say maybe somewhat because yeah, I mean, I, would say, I think about it once you start the, the challenge, whatever you're doing, like you said, when you start college. Yeah, no, think? I mean, I was signed up to go to a, to a course and everything. I was, I was going to do it. And, um, then just like talking and realizing some stuff and maybe it's getting a little too real for a podcast, but just, uh, yeah, I just, I don't That's know. The people want. Yeah. I just, <laughs> but yeah, I just realized it. They, they made me realize that if I want to do something, I need to pick one or the other and I need to really pursue it. And I just kind of realized, you know, I, I've always wanted to do cybersecurity. I need to, I need to stick with it. Right on. So I'm sorry. What was your answer on that one? Um, I find that I am able to pursue one goal for a long time. Yeah, I agree somewhat because I get sidetracked okay. at times. Right on. Uh, 20. I don't plan anything very far in advance. Oh, yeah, I agree strongly. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I do that all the time. Yeah, I'm, there. I'm pretty impulsive myself. I uh, 21. I quickly lose interest in tasks that I start. Um, yeah, I agree somewhat. Right. 22 most of my problems are due to the fact that other people just don't understand me um nah I'd say I don't really think my problems are really based off of other people I think it's Good. more of just myself so I'd say kind of disagree strongly I don't know I don't like to make Wait. excuses <laughs> yeah and that that's one of those great things we get from being in the military yeah all right 23 three more before i do anything i carefully consider the possible consequences um i'd say I agree somewhat because it depends what it is like yeah like if someone's pissing me off and i'm thinking about taking a bottle and smashing it over their heads you know i kind of like I kind of like, uh, it sounds weird, but I, I like look into the future and see where that leads to like me getting arrested or something and then getting fucked over super hard and like school and then losing my GI bill. And I don't know, just stuff sure. like that's like a outlandish example, but that's like, yeah, that's yeah. just an example, but, I guess. Yeah. Age tempers that a bit too. So yeah. Uh, all right. 24. I have been in a lot of shouting matches with other people. Nah, I disagree strongly. Nice. Yeah, I'm not like that. All right. When I get frustrated, I often let off steam by blowing my top. Nah, I disagree strongly. I'm not like that either. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty patient. I'm a very patient person. Ooh, the, la the, la the last one's a tough one. Love is overrated. Ooh. Um Yeah, I'd have to say uh agree strongly. Honestly, it's 
so here's why though so because and again this is getting probably a little too personal but whatever um so i went through a divorce when i was in the marine corps and uh, a lot of guys know, been there yeah and that kind of opened my eyes to like what i want from a partner like uh, i like dating sure. now it's kind of hard for me because i'll start dating someone as soon as i see red flags that um i see going into the future i just kind of sit there thinking to myself yeah this isn't gonna work and i don't know i'm just super picky about it and i kind of end up just doing a lot of hookups i guess <laughs> but, yeah um well i think that's kind of age approach appropriate for you too you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm with someone now, but it, even then, I just, you know, I got, again, I'm going back to the whole being patient thing, because it, yeah. it's hard to to expect certain things from people when they haven't had the same experiences as you, and they're only, like, they're only so fallible to their, to their age and to what they've been exposed to, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I, the, you know, um... One thing that I cover with, uh, I, I have a therapist at the VA, awesome doctor. I love her thoughts, and I love how she's direct. Um, not to digress too much, but it's good to talk to a therapist. It's yeah, always no, I go good to, one too. to get an outside opinion. Awesome. That help. That's for everybody. You know, that can mm -hmm. help anyone. Uh, yeah. It's always good for that outside opinion that's not influenced by relation, family, friends, all that. Yeah, exactly. Stuff. It's a very like non-biased uh, train of thought that, to consider. Yeah, when I when I answer that question, I was thinking also the time frame. Um, marriage to me was a big part of that. And to me, it just seems that as a society, with the rates of divorce as high as they are, uh, we're moving away from that kind of, you know, we're, yeah. we're moving away from yeah, monogamy. I just, yeah, I know what you mean. You know, uh, long, long ago, it secured rights, titles, land. Then it moved in uh, to being kind of culturally ascribed. And now we're at a point now women, uh, thank God, have a lot more rights and uh, power and um you know, it, it, well, what's the joke? Oh, you know, I love her so much, I'm going to get the government involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's... All right, I uh, I ran your numbers. But no, give me your thought. Go ahead. I'm sorry um, I cut you off. No, you're, no, you're good. You're good. I just, yeah, I just, I'm really picky about it now. I, good. yeah, I don't, um, I don't rush into it. It's not for me, because I know when you first meet someone, scientifically there's this whole dump of chemicals and you're yeah. for months and months you're you're feeling that that whole oh i'm completely in love and blah 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 and you know that lasts for a super long time and uh it's i think of that scene from rick and morty it's it's stupid he goes uh love is like a avalanche it, it washes over you and then it slowly fades rise above morty focus on science <laughs> I ran your numbers. And what did I get? Am I insane? No. On the general psychopathy scale, you scored 
a 64 out of 104, or excuse me, a 62 out of 104, which puts you on the very low end of average. Yeah, that, that sounds like my math tests, so... <laughs> I mean, that sounds about right. What, what does that even mean, though? <laughs> well, then we can look at primary and secondary factor, which, uh, you know, like a primary factor would be uh, selfish, uncaring, manipulative towards mm -hmm. others. Uh, you scored very low there. You're at a 34 out of 64, so you're below average there. Uh, secondary factor kind of addresses impulsivity uh, and a self-defeating lifestyle. And as a veteran, you also scored low there, a 25 out of a 40. So uh, you're on the scale, which is not surprising, but you're in the very low average area. And like I said, you know, this is just, uh, th this test isn't... Yeah, you know. yeah, it's just like a, yeah, it's like a 25 question thing. <laughs> yeah, this isn't something that's going to hold up in court, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting, though. Right? Yeah. I thought it was interesting myself. It, uh, and, the, and the way the questions are, too, it, it's funny what your mind goes to, because I found when I did it, I was asked a question, and I was kind of jumping to a specific uh, event. Uh, you know, like a couple of them, I was thinking about a specific ex, or I was thinking about the military, or I was thinking about my childhood. Or, yeah, know. I mean, for me, most of my... Most of my thoughts just kind of, I, I always think about the Marine Corps, even though I'm out now, it's, it's weird. It's like, uh, there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about it or that I don't think about my friends or, or any of that, honestly, it's, you go to, I'm sure you've been to Arlington you walk through there, you see a lot of graves, uh, a lot of famous people. You got guys that have been in Hollywood that have had political positions and, uh, you know, their headstone says private USMC 1942, <laughs> you know, yeah, that was the one thing they chose to broadcast to the world or anyone that saw their name again. Yeah, it's insane because I think about that a lot is how long life is and how, how just right now I'm 23, almost, you know, almost 24 and I still have like. 60 years of life on average is like whatever it's like the average life expectancy, but that's 60 more years of whatever to happen, you know, like this is a blink of the eye and right. I don't know by the end of, by the end of my life, when I'm looking back, it's going to feel like a whole other lifetime. It's insane. I think about yeah, that a lot. And I, I look at uh, my four years as a Marine and I hold it up against other things, you know, like where I've been working now 13, 14 years. Uh, it doesn't feel like 13, 14 years. It feels like a while. But the four years in the Marine Corps felt uh, like an eternity. Yeah. There was so much, so much growing. And it, it's the first time we're out of our parents' house, too, you know. You really are thrown to the wolves. Or the devil dogs, I guess you could say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's crazy all the things uh that you can experience. Even even as the as time goes on, how how even though like for example you you were in, in the early two thousands and I was in from twenty seventeen and twenty twenty one, but we can still sit here and completely relate to each other. 
Oh, that's one of my favorite things about being a Marine, man. Uh, like that uh, line from Arlie Ermey and Full Metal Jacket, wherever you go, every Marine is your brother. Yeah. And uh, that's 100% true. I've had, uh, you know, some of the big shots at my job come down just to meet that grunt that's working over on that aircraft. You know, I've had some you know, some big guys in the union. I'm, uh, I'm in the Teamsters, luckily, too. Same thing. Uh, that is a globally recognized and respected thing, and we're very fortunate to have that in our uh, repertoire. Yeah, I mean, when I went out to uh, when I went out to the West Coast to pin someone, a uh, corporal, I there was another person there pinning uh, his friend, and he was a Marine vet from uh, sixty to sixty eight. And we got to talking, and he's uh, telling me how oh he, he was a uh, he was an O three fifty one, and I was talking to him. And I was like, oh shit, that's that's really cool, sir. Uh, what rocket systems were you using back then? He goes, rocket systems. We were using flamethrowers, and then starts telling me about Kason, and I was just like, oh my fucking god, this guy slaughtered people. <laughs> and, um, the Zippo man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was insane. Man, and just, I can't even imagine, man. I tell you, that's why. Yeah, and. It, it was cool. It was cool talking to him, and you know, by the end of it, um, you know, he, he was calling me his little brother and shit, and I was like, I only I've known this right. guy for like twenty minutes, <laughs> and but you yeah, know, but the, you always have that feeling like you've known him longer. For yeah, sure. yeah. And it was um, you know, it one thing that he said that I feel like will honestly stick with me forever. He, we were talking for a little bit, and then you know, we kind of ran out of stuff to say, and we were just quiet for a second. He goes, you know what I miss? And I said, what's that, sir? And he goes. I miss my friends. And then fucking, I was like, damn, <laughs> right in the heart. Oh, man. Yeah. It's missing my buddies and stuff, too. It's, you know, it really is a crazy it's experience. Tough, man. And life takes over. You know, you get yeah. a job, you get a kid, you get married. Even, you know, traveling a few hours can end up being a real project. You know, life is busy. Having a full-time job and doing anything else is it takes a lot of time. And as you get older, it takes energy. I'm really happy that at least we're in an era where we could uh, communicate instantly. You know, oh, yeah, I wouldn't absolutely. want to be back in the Vietnam era where all I could do was have a phone call or send a letter. You know? Yeah, and even then you can't talk for all that long because damn phone companies running up the phone bill for the call. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, collect calls were brutal back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really is, uh, you really are blessed to be in an age where, like, just, just me and you, like, we can, two complete strangers can meet each other. I don't even know what part of the country you're in, but, you know, even even that, like we're we're in completely different parts of the country, and we're sitting here on a podcast. Right, that's cool, man. <laughs> yeah, all of it's insane, man. It's, it's really cool. That's why I think it's so important for dudes to stay connected and keep up with each other and get in group 100%. chats and shit. Just we got it. Not only do we have to be our own advocates, but we got to look out for each other. We need to call each other. We need to help each other get jobs. We need to push each other. We need to motivate. Sometimes that's a deciding factor. Just an attaboy, you know, can make or break someone uh, taking some challenge on. And uh, I, it, it breaks my heart when I see a guy just, you know, oh, I'm sick of Facebook. I'm like, well, you know, just stop following people that are putting these opinions out that you don't like and keep us in the mix, you know? Like, yeah. 
For me, I think my my biggest mistake was going into college and having this uh, mindset that I, I would fit into here, you know. And, and I don't. I think you. Fit, I think you. <laughs> nah, I think you fit in more than you realize because you're not looking from the outside in. Yeah, maybe really maybe do. that's true. We are always our hardest critics. Unfortunately, I didn't finish my degree. Uh, I was able to get a really good job that I rolled into. Um, but you know what? That's an excuse. I shouldn't have even said that. <laughs> I'm an idiot for not finishing my degree. And it should be something that I put uh, as a task in the future. I have no reason not to. I even work for a company that I'll pretty much pay for it. And my state will let you go to a state school as a combat vet for free. So I have no excuse. So there you go right there. I need, if one of you guys are listening to this, you better call me up and motivate my ass, like, <laughs> soon, whenever this comes out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, me, myself, I'm, I'm like, over it. I'm so done with this. Uh, I'm going to switch to uh, online school and then, or not even online school, like, just I'm going to switch to the online part of my university and then, um, just start working because I I'm dry, I'm going insane here to be honest. <laughs> but well, don't don't do that. Don't go insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not insane, but just you know, over. Yeah, it. no, I know. It's, yeah, it's overwhelming. Yeah, but it's overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, it's all crazy. It's crazy how life moves once everybody, once everyone gets out. For sure, man. It's great, you know. We're, we really do, we're, you know. We're like sticks in the wind, man. People end up everywhere. I, my buddy Middleton, ended up traveling around Southeast Asia, you know, fighting in Muay Thai matches oh, underground, like the Kumite with John Claude, right? You know, what it, the fuck? That's uh, awesome. Yeah, I'm sure you have guys from your unit that do some wild stuff. We, we I got my buddy Diego, who's in New York City as an actor. Uh, you can see him in The Upside with Brian Cranston. He's a cop that arrests Kevin Hart. <laughs> you know, he's also <laughs> in The Punisher on Netflix. Yeah, and, uh, I think maybe the second season, he uh, he ends up getting shot in the head by The Punisher. Pretty gnarly. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's I insane. Got, uh, there's so many guys that are doing big things that I'm so incredibly proud of. And I hope that I'm doing enough job letting them know every once in a while, how proud I am of them. It's like, you know, that's something social media is too. It doesn't cost you nothing to, to leave a like, to leave a positive comment for the attaboy and you, you need, you need to do it. You need to do it. There's a direct correlation to that and how people feel about themselves, how they feel about, the goal they have and what it is they're doing yeah um, absolutely yeah i think it's incredible what a lot of uh a lot of deeds will do when they get out because some deeds will get out and go and do like absolutely incredible things oh yeah yeah well, i have i have friends that work at the pentagon a lot of guys that went to another branch uh you know a lot, lot of a lot of amazing stuff really really cool stuff yeah i for me, it was cool um, when the Star Wars movies came out, the newer ones, and uh, seeing, like, uh, Adam Driver and hearing yeah. his whole backstory, too, and then, you know, finding out, like, years later, I'm like, oh, shit, he was a Marine? What the fuck? What year yeah, was he? Yeah, he was he a in, grunt, you know? man. Yeah, he was right? a grunt. Yeah. Is that in California, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. He got yeah. In, he got injured really bad right before his deployment, um, 
I think he broke his back or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he like cracked his uh, sternum or something. Absolutely crazy. He does. uh, He works with veterans big time. Um, I'm gonna say more than just New York City, but I think he does something. yeah, he does films uh, for veterans. I get the emails often. I've gone to it one time. My friend Diego turned me on to that. Uh, hey, that's what we do as Marines, man. My favorite thing about Adam Driver, I remember when Ricky Gervais was just dressing everyone in Hollywood down and everyone's face is appalled, but you got Adam Driver sitting there laughing at the dark <laughs> yeah. comedy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember um, I love that. there was a TED, TED Talk that Adam Driver was on, and he was talking about how... Um, he went to acting and how the Marine Corps really helped him with his acting career, but at the same time, how, how much he realized how fucked up the mentality can be in the Marine Corps too, from, uh, just all the abuse that kind of goes on. Not really abuse, I shouldn't say, but like just everything that, that happens to you within that time frame. I, I think I forgot to say we were taking the test, but that was one thing that, um, you know, my therapist had touched on, too. I didn't actually say it, but she assumed and assumed correctly. Uh, I was going through a rough time in a relationship. We were living together. We've been living together for several years. Um, and she said, you know, wh- what do you expect? Do you expect, like, your friends to die for you should the situation arise? And I'm like, well, I mean honestly i would do it for them and she's like that's not a that's not a realistic thought you know that's not that's not how the world is you know that's not you you can't hold people to that standard because you're going to find yourself alone and you know boom epiphany right like moment of clarity wow thank you you're absolutely right that is a bit silly now that i think about it yeah because it's like all the all your all your friends and shit when you're in absolutely would do that for you and when you get out it's just these all these other people they have literally absolutely zero concept or idea outside of uh the marine corps of what your life was like so it's just it's it's not something that that's easy for people to really let go i guess because a lot of people to evolve yeah exactly but a lot of people will um a lot of people say like, "Oh, the Marine Corps doesn't define you, or it's not your identity." But in a way, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, <laughs> yeah, obviously, I, it's not completely, you know, you're, it's not the end all be all of who you are. But in a way, it was like, it was the formation of your youth. It was, it was what, the, it was a foundation. I mean, of your youth absolutely. going forward. That's a good way to phrase it. Yeah. Yeah. So in a way, it really kind of was like. It really kind of was. <laughs> and that, now that you said that beautifully, very eloquent, and keeping with that thought, let's look at, you know, like you in college right now. This is your next evolution. This is the next, uh, you know, uh, genre or whatever that you're yeah. going to try and master, that you're going to move into, that you're going to be that much more worldly. This is a we're, we were just talking about what essentially is a niche demographic, you know, the Marine Corps. There's not many Marines at any given time anywhere. Um, so that's, you know, I, 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 I wish more veterans took advantage of the GI Bill or got out there and, you know, 
join the program, get a hobby. It doesn't have to be martial arts. Participate in something. Put yourself out there. Always be a student. That's the that's the easiest way to stay happy. Is just always be a student. Always leave yourself open to learn. Do not let cognitive dissonance affect you. You know that and what I mean by that is, you know, when you're presented with new facts, new material that Go against your beliefs. Don't get angry. Don't push it away. Don't shout it out. You know, look at that side. Try to grow your thoughts. Um, my friend Tom Leaf, uh, great uh, defense attorney, very worldly guy, brilliant dude. He's helped me with that a lot. Uh, he's not a veteran. But with friends like him, my friend Dimitri Thornton, uh, very good friend from jujitsu. These two guys have helped me grow exponentially. They, they can, they're that the voice I need from the outside saying, Hey dude, you got to tap the brakes. Hey dude, you got to hit the gas. Hey man, you got to shut your mouth. Hey man, maybe you should think of it like this. And, uh, you know, I would never have met them had I just chose to be an introvert and be a miserable vet with PTSD who drinks and doesn't leave his house outside to go to his job. Yeah. I think so, it's important uh, to meet as many people as you can. And, oh, 100%. And just having and conversations. Yeah. And travel and having Traveling, conversations. And, education. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I love meeting new people and talking to them and just finding out, different perspectives on life and stuff. And I mean, not all, not all the time I'll agree with what some people will say, but majority of the time it's, it's more just an interesting conversation and just something to think about, you know, just well, hearing yeah, someone me, else's life. Myself and Tom disagree politically often. Um, but you know, I know whatever he says is I know for a fact he's looked at both or every side of the issue. I know he's thought about it deeply, and he always has a very well-put-together opinion that makes sense. You need to respect that. The angry person that's flipping out on Facebook who only reads the titles of the articles and themselves, that, no, 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 that's, that's no good. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> you, can't, you can't ever be mad at people for having another opinion and another way to do things, because who knows who's right? We, you know, there, there's yeah, no exactly. definitive answer. We don't know what happens when we die. We we don't know exactly what's right and what's wrong in, in a lot of our conversations. It's very subjective. Yeah, your uh, your point of view of the world is really kind of as big as you as you let it be, if that makes sure. sense. Yeah. When I travel, like, I'm not the kind of guy you're going to see on a princess cruise on the water slide, you know, like... I'm in some random part of a country with a friend just trying to totally assimilate with that culture. I don't uh, I don't go to Wendy's. I go someplace and, you know, have a, a cow's uh, thyroid <laughs> like I did in Argentina. <laughs> or, you know, like I, I do one in Rome, you know, man, that that's uh, that, I love that, you know, one in Rome. I, I try to learn as much as I can wherever I go. I'm not that guy walking around the sites taking pictures. I want to find out what they eat, the sports they play, the music. I want to learn the little subcultures about the people. I, I want to know their views on their government. You know, um, I love learning. And traveling has by far been my best teacher. I uh, th That, too, I'll uh, forever 
remember the places I've been and um, things pop out to me now. You know, uh, Costa Rica is one of my favorite countries I went to. And every time I see an article on Costa Rica online or something comes up on TV, I get a smile. You know, and I can think about good times, especially if I see a place that I was that I was at. Um, I, I can't speak enough on on traveling. That's uh, that's something everybody needs to do. The world would be a better place if people traveled properly. Not that dumb, loud American tourist. You know, oh, I get they do. They put the parrot on your shoulder. Only five dollars for a Polaroid. I don't like a Puerto Rico. You know, <laughs> don't be that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love learning the history of places too. Uh, I'm a total history buff, man. Yeah, I love absolutely. history. Yeah, uh, a couple of years ago, I made a pledge to break away from fiction. Um, so now I, you know, the movies I select to watch, the books I read, I, I try to always focus on things that are, are, or close to historically accurate. A lot of movies, you're not, there's going to be that flair for the dramatic Hollywood can butcher it a bit, but I, I got to a point in my life where I was like, I just don't really want to fill my brain with uh fiction like i have enough of a, an imagination i don't uh it's it wasn't satisfying anymore yeah um, yeah it's all super interesting stuff for sure man it's been a good talk yeah man it really has <laughs> and um i think we did we cover everything <laughs> covered a lot yeah covered some good stuff right <laughs> yeah Hopefully. we definitely did yeah man yeah, it's been well, a really good conversation, dude. Yeah, man. I uh, I really appreciate meeting you, and uh, thank you for extending this opportunity for me to come on here and pick my brain a little bit. I'm totally flattered. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, know? thank you for, for spending the time to come and do this, man. I appreciate yeah, it. My, my pleasure, bro. My yeah. pleasure. We got to do this again sometime. We got to find some kind of topic or something to talk about, maybe something with history. I, I love talking about history, so... I'd be down for that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That'd be awesome, man. But hey, thank you again for uh for coming on to the show, man. My pleasure. I really appreciate you having me. I really mean that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, man. And um for everybody else, if uh if you want to come on to the podcast and talk about something, just shoot me a DM and we'll work out a time. But uh we'll see you guys later. Have a good one.